Are you a sex worker looking to build a new website or a website redesign? Then you'll want to consider Fox Digital. They did a fantastic job designing my website, Stripped by Sia. If you want your website done, mention that you're a listener of the show at foxdigital.design for 20% off. Tell them I sent you. Welcome back to another episode of Stripped by Sia, your podcast for strippers, sex workers, and all the fancy naked people in between. I am your host, Steph Sia, aka Kimchi, on stage. You lovely folks can catch me on stage uh, next week, actually. I'll be back on stage performing at Shaker Show Lounge in Surrey, Canada. So if you want to come and talk about the show or chat or whatever you want to do by dance, get a drink with me cool you know where to find me i'm there tuesday to saturday and i will also be performing at the taboo naughty but nice sex show and that's happening the first weekend of february i believe the dates are february three to five so if you are in vancouver or in the vancouver canada area come down by the show i'll be at the ava fitness booth i'll be there kind of doing some tricks on the pole and i'll also be performing I think on the Friday and the Saturday evening, TBD. So if you want to come see me in person, chat, take pictures, um, do all the things, I will be there. So so yeah, um, if you are just joining in right now and you're like, what is the show about? Um, this show is all about sex work. It's all about destigmatizing sex work, the industry. And I do that by sharing the stories of real sex workers and I bring different people on the show every single week to share their story, to share their lived experiences because everyone's story looks a little bit different. We all have very different experiences as well. So I'm really trying to do my best in trying to provide a transparent approach to sex work because as you know, the media and and all these publications out there, they like to paint a very different picture of what is actually happening in real life. So uh, it's kind of, I, I put on upon myself that it is my duty to try to paint some real good stories in here and just like tell it like it is. So thank you so much for, for listening for and for everyone who has been supporting since day one. Uh, I'm just popping in here. It's my first episode since uh, the AVNs. I just want to say thank you all for, for supporting, for voting, uh, whoever nominated me. It's so freaking cool to have been there. Um, it's my first AVNs. Um, and if you don't know what the AVNs are, they're basically the Oscars of porn. Um, it was a wild ride. It was super cool. I have bonus content on my behind the scenes there up on my Patreon, which you can check out. And uh, it's patreon.com slash stripped by Sia. Um, just want to give a quick shout out to those who are in the second and third top tiers there that you all get some fan recognition shout outs here. So we got Snoo Snoo all the way from Germany. We got Herb Sarkar here actually from Vancouver, Canada. Uh, Jay Sunser, who's also from British Columbia, Canada. We have Justin Erickson, all the way from Vancouver, Washington. Ted McGuire, 
I still don't know where you're from. Selena Money, I don't know where you're from either, but that's cool. Thanks for, so much for subscribing. And we got a bunch of new people in as well. So big shout out to Marty Lang. We got Earl Kwan and Trey Lanti, uh, who are on the top tier. So big thank you to all y'all. Um, again, thanks again for casting your vote and like just subscribing and supporting the show that way. Um, couple more mentions here. My goodness is getting longer and longer each week. Um, Skyhawk After Dark TV.com. It is a network of adult related uh, video casts, podcasts, just like mine, uh, including some other guests that I've had in the show that have their own shows and stuff. Check it out. Um, if you want to kind of get more into what's happening in adults and the industry and whatnot, check it out. SkyhawkAfterDarkTV.com. And last but not least, final sponsor here, we have Fox Digital, um, who made my lovely website, stripbycia.com. Uh, if you're looking to get your website redone or made, or if you're looking for one just to, you know, get a bit more presence in the world, check it out. Uh, my friend Anthony there is going to be giving everyone from the show 20% off if you're interested. So go peep him, tell him I sent you to get the discount, and it's foxdigital.design. Okay. We got it under five minutes. <laughs> oh my God. So hello, everyone. Um, you're not here to listen to me ramble for five minutes, but I did bring on a guest that can definitely ramble on for quite some time, and I'm really excited for her to start chatting about today's topic. Um, so a long time ago, maybe not so long ago, you might have heard in the news and in the media of that teacher that got fired for starting an OnlyFans, for having an OnlyFans. She was doxxed, she was outed, and she is here on the show. She contacted me on Twitter and wanted to connect and share her story, and I said, hell's fucking yeah, I want to share your story. Like, hell's yeah. So basically, I am bringing the one and only Sarah Jury on to the show today to speak her truth on what exactly happened, what went down, how she got to where she is today, and what's up and coming for her. I am really stoked to bring her on. She's a lovely and amazing, super hot, super sexy content creator. And we're going to be talking about all the things we're talking about the teach like teachers, low wages, wage gaps. We're talking about um, like how she got outed and stuff. So basically a big, big story. Um, I know she's been waiting patiently here, but Sarah, are you there? I am here and I am so excited to talk with you and spill all the tea. <laughs> Definitely spilling all the tea and we're equally excited for you to be here. So thank you so much for coming on today and just setting aside a bit of your time and your busy, busy day to come chat with us. But please tell the world um, who you are in your own and in your, in your own words and terms, basically. Yeah, so I am sort of infamously known as the teacher that was fired for starting an OnlyFans page. But, you know, I am more than a headline in the news. And there's a whole backstory about when and how and why and who actually encouraged me to start my page um, that I want to talk about. And also now this like brand new journey and career path that I kind of got thrust on, what I've learned, what I'm experiencing, what's next. So there's so much to talk about and I cannot wait. So much. And I, I can't wait to get into it. And again, like, first of all, I just want to say thank you for coming out and just being so brave. Um, because 
it, it's really hard. And to be put into position, thrust into position like this, where you're completely like on a spotlight is it's really scary. It's been very isolating. And we'll definitely be talking about um, how you're coping, how you're dealing with that later on the show. But maybe we should like get started with how it all began. Like, I know that you were a teacher for 20 years. Like, let's start from like day one. <laughs> yeah. So we'll kind of we'll kind of back it up. But um, I became a teacher after high school and an elementary school teacher is what my degree is in. And I kind of had like a, a traumatic childhood, but I was like the good girl that followed all the rules. And that was kind of how I coped with my childhood. And I just sort of um, raised myself and put myself on this path. I was like a good A plus student, you know, and I learned pretty early on that, you know, if you are good in school and you get the grades and you work hard and you are an easy student for your teachers and you're polite and pleasant that, um, you know, your teachers really like you. So I was sort of the teacher's pet myself. And uh, so I went to school, became a teacher, kind of fast forward, got married and my teaching pay was sort of supplementary at the time within my marriage. So it was the money that we used to go on vacations. But um, about 13 years into the marriage, I end up getting a divorce. And now I have two children. And all of a sudden, the dynamic has shifted. And I am now a single mom on a teacher salary. And everyone knows about how outrageous rent is. My employer did not provide health insurance. So my rent and my health insurance alone was the equivalent of a whole paycheck. Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. yes. So you can see how I just started um, getting more and more caught up in a poverty cycle. And I tried to help myself by doing side hustles. You know, the side hustle became like super popular. So I did everything from reading, tutoring. I purchased sublimation equipment, taught myself how to make mugs and tumblers and t-shirts. I got certified in group exercise. I did keto coaching on the side. Um... And I had even helped a friend like open a salon and was doing teeth whitening, no less than five or six side hustles at one point in time. Wow. <laughs> yes, I was working really, really hard, but still increasingly caught up in this poverty cycle that was creating a lot of stress. I have been single for five years, and so you know, for five years, I've paid every bill on my own, paid the rent on my own, my car payment on my own. There has been no real supplemental income. And um, so this kind of fishtails into why OnlyFans sounded like a feasible option to sort of help me get my head above water. Uh, there was a local Facebook friend 
And she had posted in the spring that she had started an OnlyFans page and she had made $10,000 that month. Well, in my mind, $10,000 would help me pay my car off, get out a credit card. I mean, that was really going to be life-saving um, for myself and my kids. And so... I, uh, after the school year ended, I started my page, knew nothing about OnlyFans, was never on it. I didn't even know how to send a DM, <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes, but uh, I was going to have the month of July off of work. And so I thought, hey, I'll have some extra time to just test out the waters, see what I'm comfortable with, see if there really is any money in it uh, for me because at that time I didn't have like very ambitious goals. It was more like, you know, I would make $50 selling some nudes and that paid gas money or I was looking for grocery money. Like I didn't have any grandiose ideas. Yeah. So I went back to work and I led summer camps. I had three weeks of summer camps and then my kids were home for the summer. So I really wasn't doing anything on the page. My page was clean. I was only doing nudes at the time, posting them behind paywalls. Um, and on my very last day of um, summer camps, before my month off, we had a conversation in the office actually about OnlyFans. My coworker said, that her husband had gone to a bachelor party in North Carolina or South Carolina. And the stripper uh, asked for $600 for the bachelor party just to show up, not including tips or anything. And we were like, wow, that's like great money. That's amazing. Yeah. Then my coworker said, yeah, I'm thinking of starting an OnlyFans page. Then she joking, jokingly said, I might have my husband do it first because gay men love him. So we're talking about OnlyFans. Okay. And my boss said to both of us, you two should start OnlyFans pages and sell your panties on OnlyFans. Men love panties and you could make a lot of money selling panties. Okay. Well, in my mind, what a relief, right? Yeah. My boss is encouraging me to start an OnlyFans page. There was no mention that it was a fireable offense. In fact, he like encouraged me to sell my panties on there. So that was a Thursday. I didn't know much about OnlyFans, but I did know I needed fans. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I, I needed to find a pipeline of fans. Well, I've been single a long time. And there were a whole bunch of friend requests waiting for me in my Facebook. Oh, my gosh. Don't we all? <laughs> and you know what they do? As soon as you accept a friend request, where do they go? Straight to your DM. Messages. You got it. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I just let a flood of friend requests in, like maybe 600, a lot. Because oh I, they were like in a holding pattern. I kept my Facebook very private. As soon as they would DM me, I would give them my link. Smart. 
Very yeah. important. Yeah. So anyone, <laughs> you do not, you know, you know the game they play. So I was like, okay, well, if you're interested, here's my OnlyFans link. So I kind of started promoting like uh, some sexy photos on my Facebook. Facebook does not allow nudity. So, you know, it's like everything you can see here from here up. Exactly. But I was promoting my OnlyFans page. My boss had <laughs> encouraged me to. And I was off for the month of July. So I was like, well, this is my time to test things out. A local extreme right wing blogger in the area, I'm guessing was one of those friend requests that I had let in. I have no idea. Oh, no. But anyhow, he sees that I'm a teacher with an OnlyFans page. Oh, gosh. Yep. So I'm at the gym on Sunday, and I get this DM where he basically tells me, like, I'm going to out you. I'm going to blackmail you. I'm going to get you fired. Um, and before I left the gym, he had sent an email and my nude photos to my employer. And I know he did because my coworker calls me on my drive home from the gym. And she's like, what is going on? Are you okay? She's very worried about me. She's very concerned. We only had a staff of four people. So it was a pretty tight-knit group. And everyone knew I was in this poverty cycle and struggling as a single mom. Um, I was already pretty depressed because of my financial situation before this all happened. Um, I was really struggling at the time, even then, with some suicidal ideation. Oh, no. Um, yes. And this whole experience really compounded that for me. Um, because you can imagine, I'm panicked. I'm scared to death. Like, in my mind, it felt surreal. Like, what's happening? I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not, wasn't doing anything inappropriate at work. In fact, um, I still have the text message from my boss congratulating me on what amazing summer camps I just ran um, for the kids. So, you know, it's really disheartening that people have this idea that people don't have sex lives at home, that, that they're able to table before they go into the classroom or the boardroom or wherever. Um you know, I think that was one of the most disheartening things about some of the media that was published about me, um, because here I've been a teacher for 20 years. I'm a mom myself, um, and I love kids. I, I loved what I did, but as we kind of talked earlier, there is this um, pay gap for teachers, and the, the fact that our society and our culture is so comfortable with teachers having degrees living in poverty cycles. You know, mm -hmm. some people, their driving objective to go on OnlyFans is like, you know, exploring their sexuality and, um, you know, more for that aspect of the platform but for me the driver really was financial and um you know i think what's even more disappointing is like 
when you get into a platform like OnlyFans, it should be like a very safe place for the content maker to explore, see what they're comfortable with. Like you're kind of testing your own boundaries and your own sexuality and comfort level on the platform. Um, and that really was robbed <laughs> from me in a sense because I had only had OnlyFans a couple weeks before this happened. Um, so it wasn't like I had really made any deter determination or any real financial gains before it happened. Like, oh, yeah, this is a viable financial option because as a single mom, I never would have put my primary, um, you know, primary paycheck at on the line. risk. Yeah, on the line for something I didn't know about, you know, if it was even going to be viable. Um, so I just want to make that very clear was that like, it wasn't some reckless decision. My boss encouraged me. And what's most disheartening is during my termination, when his boss fired me, he didn't speak up. <laughs> he didn't say anything about, hey, we had this conversation in the office. I encouraged her actually to start a page and even sell her panties on it. Um, you know, so I really got hung out to dry by him, unfortunately. That's awful. Uh, yeah, I wanted to ask, like, what was the aftermath of that? Like, it's just disheartening just to see you like if, if I had a coworker just being hung out to dry like that like that would wouldn't you feel guilty like oh yeah I I think that there is a lot of guilt I mean he even cried the day I got fired and I believe that is from guilt he was feeling um but I have at this point because with that particular job I was there six years and I was a civilian teacher at a military facility. And I actually endured years and years of sexual harassment, harassment and stalking uh, by the military members and even inappropriate things that my boss would say, comparing my body to my coworkers body, telling us which visiting teachers he was sexually attracted to, you know, so over the course of this time, uh, I actually have filed with the EEOC for a sexual harassment investigation. So I look forward to, you know, there is a judgment day for everybody. And there's parts of my story that people just weren't aware of because when the media writes stuff about you, they don't ask you. They just no. go and create stories and fill in gaps. Um, but I have my own story and history at that employment as well. Oh, totally. I mean, like, and that's the thing about the media. Like, everything is just so sensationalized. And especially when it comes to marginalized groups like sex workers, we're um, yes. always, you know, like, people always want to talk about us. And it's always in some kind of negative light and things that are just largely untrue um, and based on a lot of assumptions and stereotypes, which are dangerous and just keep on with the cycle, like, perpetrating. <laughs> Yes. You got it. And that's why, like, I feel very uh, determined to own my story. I'm rewriting the ending for myself. Like, I am just not here giving my power away. Like, people are going to know 
And also it's like this beautiful gift that every time I stand in my power, speak my truth, tell my story, not only do I liberate and heal parts of my own heart and story and brokenness, but I feel like it liberates every other woman because my story is so similar to every other woman's stories. Um, And when we talk about why OnlyFans is an empowering platform for women, I always tell people it's because you have to know the flip side of the story of the coin. Like in all the ways that women are disempowered through rape culture, sexual harassment culture. Now you have the dating culture, the hookup culture that treats women like sexual consumables, manipulating women for sex. And even Within my story, the blogger, not only did he get me fired, he stole photos that he purchased behind a paywall on my OnlyFans page. And then he revenge porned me by distributing my nude photos on Facebook and Twitter without my consent. So now there's this new way of using technology to weaponize a woman's body and sexuality against her. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's another part of my story that I like to speak about because I feel like the laws are lagging behind technology Mm -hmm. and it's putting women primarily at risk for this abuse. Um, As more and more women are joining sites like OnlyFans, they are embracing and owning their sexuality. The next step is for somebody to try to use that against them, harm them, get them fired for their jobs, shame them. And it's just so interesting to me because this idea of virtual sex is accepted culturally and socially within the dating platforms. Everybody is exchanging nudes. Their sexting is even coined term. They're having sexy video chats. Um, So when I joined OnlyFans, some people said, was that like a big jump for you to do it? And I said, no, it really wasn't because I said, this is sort of the culture of dating sites. But it's so interesting to me that that behavior is so accepted and I would still have my job if I was on Tinder and participating in the hookup culture. But as soon as I, as a woman, own my sexuality and I profit from it, I found a way to monetize it, everyone's up in arms and I'm not even qualified to teach anymore. So those are sort of the the hypocrisies that I push back against. And I'm like, no, I'm going to call you out on this. And even the phenomenon on dick pics, which again is a coined term, you have men sending unsolicited pictures of their penis all over dating sites. I can't tell you how many I've seen, but... That culture is acceptable. Men are not afraid of losing their jobs by sending these photos. But as a woman, my body's wrong. My body's shameful. My body um, is, (laughs) you know, my sexuality is wrong and offensive. And it's even pornographic. 
So yeah. this is where it's like, I am not just sitting by this patriarchal <laughs> BS. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so like outdated to me just because like, I mean, you raised all the points there earlier too. It's like almost like the minute that a woman can take control of her own body and make her own decisions and is consenting to do this type of work, we're yes. all up in arms about it and people are mad and then people lose their jobs and people get out and people get doxxed and like this yes. kind of behavior is not okay. It's, it's not okay. Only fans is like revolutionary platform because the money comes straight to the content makers. The woman is like your, the content maker is empowered. The content maker is benefiting financially. And so now all of a sudden the shift of power has changed and that really makes some people mad. And I don't care. Be mad. <laughs> be mad there needs to be more platforms like it and now that i'm on only fans there's so many more benefits to it that i would love to talk about but it really is just revolutionary in the way that it allows women to step into their power financially sexually and listen as a woman you're going to be sexualized in this culture period point blank it's not the culture that I set up. It's the culture that is here. It was here before me. It's it, the the um, the pattern is set for my daughter even. And yeah. so I feel like what brave and holy work for women to rise up and say, hey, if I'm going to be sexualized anyway, I'm going to make a dollar or a million, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm going to own it. And I'm going to be in control of every part of the aspect. And I'm only going to do what makes me feel good and comfortable. And I'm the boss. <laughs> so I feel like, man, what a an amazing opportunity for women to just sit in that power. I like to call it power of the pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I mean, like, I mean, anyone can join OnlyFans. We all know this. But like, and everyone has different reasons for joining platforms for, for any kind of pay sites and stuff too. Yes. Like OnlyFans, like Fansly, whatever. It, it, and we know all the reasons because it, you get your own money. It's flexible. You can kind of work at your own pace. And and it's it's great. It's a, It can be a very yes. lucrative business. Um, going back to some earlier points that you were mentioning, um, going back to like this, this poverty cycle that you were trapped in. And yes. also, yeah, like I definitely wanted to speak to you about that and how – how teachers' wages and, and the low wages that teachers are paid, how it yes. keeps in that cycle. So I was wondering if you can maybe kind of go into that for those who might not, who might, who might not know what the reality is that teachers face. Yes, for sure. Now, um, the position that I had, you know, I did make slightly more than like a, t a typical classroom teacher, but uh, it still certainly did not go far being a single mom. Um, and it, there wasn't an opportunity to work hard enough to get out of it. Um, like I mentioned, I was working five, six side hustles. So it wasn't this lack of determination or that I was just being lazy. But again, I think it just kind of drives home to these ideas of what we really value. 
because what we really value, we put money behind, right? And so we know that based on teacher pay, that teachers are not valued in this country. I cannot tell you, like, how many teachers need to stand up? How many teachers need to strike? How many teachers need to leave the field? You know, lots of people say, there's a teacher shortage. There's a teacher shortage. We cannot fill these positions. Well, I want to be real honest. There's not a teacher shortage. There are plenty of qualified, educated teachers, but teachers have fled the, uh, the profession because of the pay, because of the, the overwork, because of the abuse from children and um, parents. I mean, look in the news. I'm sorry, but a six-year-old just brought a gun to school and shot his teacher. So, I mean, there's so many stressors that teachers are facing, not even just safety, um, being in the classroom, but now you have those effects of COVID. You have kids who were home for two mm -hmm. years. They're two years behind academically. They're two years behind socially. And nobody's acknowledging it. It's business as usual. Classrooms are, <laughs> are overpacked. Teachers are miserable. Kids are not happy. There is a crisis in the education system. And it's really difficult because it's like, who's advocating for the teachers? When is somebody going to take a stance and say, we have got to fix this? Like, they're going to let the sink ship or the ship sink, <laughs> you yeah. know, when you can see what's happening, you, you know, the... Um, all the signs are there and, um, you know, I feel like in a lot of ways as a woman, it's interesting to me because it's like, here I have this job, right? I have a degree. I went to school. I have some master's courses. I have almost 20 years of education experience and I'm buying food at the Dollar Tree for my kids. I'm living on credit cards. I'm not sure what I'm going to be able to do for us financially. That's the disgrace. You know, everyone up in arms that a teacher joined OnlyFans. I wish those people were as mad about the situation I was in. Totally. And it kind of bothers me because it's like, wow, where was my headline when I was a teacher in a poverty cycle working five and six jobs? There was yeah. no headline. Nobody cared. Where was the headline when I was sobbing in the bathtub at night and my kids started calling me sad mommy? There was no headline, you know, but I see a way to help myself financially, legally, consensually, and I get revenge porn and I lose my job and now I'm a headline around the world, you know? Yeah. So that's interesting so yeah, so backwards. And it's like, here I had a job where I used my intelligence, I used my heart, I used my soul, I used my charisma, my patience, everything that's needed and required to be an exceptional teacher like I was. But I can take my clothes off and make more money on OnlyFans. Hmm. That's the issue that nobody wants to address. You know, it's like pay the teachers. Pay the teachers. If you don't want teachers going to OnlyFans, pay them, period. Yeah. 
There is no other sentence. Amen to that. And like this reminds me of too, like it kind of draws parallels to the other story that I heard in the news during the pandemic as well for when the nurses from New York that got fired for her starting an OnlyFans as well. And it's a similar thing. It's like, like it's just people are not getting paid enough and that is what the problem is. People are not getting paid enough. Yes. That they have to find other means to compensate. Yes. And, you know, all of a sudden, here's this platform, like you said, I can do from home. I am already sort of participating in this behavior, you know, because I'm on dating sites. It's like, it was like a no brainer. Why would I, why would I not do it? Um, You know, but then it's so interesting because all of a sudden I'm in the world of sex work. I'm experiencing the stigmatization of a sex worker um, and all that comes along with that. So then it's like, I'm going to take my teacher hat off and advocate for sex workers. <laughs> Good for you. And I'm glad you had that shift too, because like a lot of people will never get that, that experience. They'll never get that that firsthand um, lived experience too. And not everyone too is, not everyone's going to be able, um, is in the position of, you know, being doxxed and that's a really serious situation I I wanted to ask you so when this whole thing came out um and then you were let go and terminated from your position how did you pick up the pieces to keep going oh that's that's such a big question because you know in in all vulnerability and all transparency it was heartbreaking. It was the scariest thing of my life because it was done in such a way to humiliate me. And I'm a very like sensitive, very sweet person, um, very spiritual. I've been on a spiritual path for a long time. And so not only did all of this happen, but it happened publicly. And so it felt like every, I live in a small town in Indiana It felt like everyone in the community knew. Everybody knew about my firing. I had never been fired from a job. Then the next thing I know, it's making headline. It's going viral. And it's in the news around the world. So it was very overwhelming. I was panicked. I was scared to death um, because... I had sort of the security of this 20-year career. And after my divorce, I had lost a lot. I lost my house. I lost a 13-year marriage. I lost my health insurance. I lost so much. And so for the last five years, I was still picking up the pieces and trying to rebuild this life for myself. And I had told myself that if I had to start from ground zero, rock bottom, when I rebuilt this life, it had to be my most beautiful life and I had to grow into my most beautiful self. So over the course of this time, I like lost a lot of weight. I got a tummy tuck. I got into fitness. I started wearing hair extensions and makeup and lashes and feeling the sexiest and best I ever have. I'm 41 now. Good. Yeah, I started taking hip hop aerobics and twerking. Fun. Such a good workout. Yes. yes. And just 
tapping into this like sexual, sexy side that I had never experienced or known existed in me. So there was this sort of liberation path that I had been on prior to OnlyFans, where I was just like feeling good and feeling confident for the first time in my life. And then it's like, all of a sudden I'm in the news. And if you ever end up in the news, it's a blessing because it's this free press press that you could never afford. But never, ever, ever read the comments because it's like so mean. Every mean thing that you could think of somebody saying about me, I read about myself. So that also really affected my mental health where it was like, here, I'm feeling like so good. And I'm reading these mean comments. Um, Plus I was fired and I feel like it was sort of a 50, 50 split between people happy. I got fired and people that are like reasonable and empathetic and, you know, understood my story and why I joined OnlyFans. Um, So that was interesting, but it really took a toll on my mental health. I had mentioned that I had already been struggling with depression and suicidal ideation, and that really got ramped up for me. So I started going back to the gym, doing gym therapy. That helped a lot, but I did, and I want to be transparent with everyone, like, It was getting so bad that I just went to the doctor and got put on an antidepressant because I realized, like, this was a very traumatic experience and I just need a little more help and support to get me to a feeling where I can, like, breathe and feel safe and be able to think clearly and optimistically. So I just want to put that out there because, you know, I feel like the more I talk about it, the less it can destigmatize other people sort of having mental health issues um, because I certainly did. I It was certainly uh, bumped up against a lot of previous traumas. It created some new trauma for me um, that I'm still working through and, um, you know, also probably similar to other women in the sex work industry who kind of experience that same um, judgment and fear and, uh, you know, people trying to humiliate them and shame them. You know, it's, it's, I take it so personally because I know how it felt that I just wish I could protect every woman and change every law so that no woman or person would ever, ever feel what I felt or have happen what happened to me. Like if I could be the last one, um, it would make my heart so happy. You know, I would take a bullet. I, I would be the scapegoat if it meant I could protect other women from this. Yeah, because it, it's it's awful. And like you were mentioning earlier too, or this person who outed you, that they actually took and stole your photos too and then started like distributing that in, um, yeah, internet, well, gender-based internet violence, basically, aka revenge porn, which is 
really shitty. And then it's so hard to try to get that stuff removed and taken down because it, once it's out there, it's just like spreads like wild, wildfire. It does. And then, you know, there's people who almost feel like you deserved that because you posted the pictures, you know, like, um, again, in this way of re-victimizing the victim. And even in all the articles and all the fury that happened, nobody, like, called him out on it. Nobody ever do. You know, nobody was like, that's wrong. Why are you doing this to to a woman? It was almost like the revenge porn and what he did to me was deserved. Nobody, like he faced no consequences for it. And to me, that's the most disturbing part. Yeah, that these people get to walk free uh, without any consequences at all. Yeah, and even on Facebook, he still has his blog. They didn't shut him down. Like, um, people reported it. They took it down for three days, and then it went right back up. And so, to me, that's the infuriating thing is because it's like, again, you're re-victimizing the victim. There was no way of holding him accountable. And um, what it did was set the precedence for him to do it to more people, other people to do it and get away with it. And I feel like, again, like the laws are really lagging behind. And as you said, it is very gender specific. This is a crime against women. It's just, it's another way of that culture against women to try to repress them, shame them for their bodies and being a sexual person just so wrong and i hate hearing stories like this um although like i do applaud your bravery again for coming out to share your story because it's just absolutely heartbreaking but also in a good way it's completely opened some new doors for you as well so i'd love to hear like where you're going or what you're doing now how how have you overcome all of the the trauma that has happened last year yeah i (laughs) For any of us, like when you have faced being victimized, when you have gone through a certain amount of trauma, you know, it's really important that at some point you're able to reframe the experience and take your power back. And so for me, you know, at the time it was like, I lost my job. What do I have left? I have my voice and I have my story and that's going to be the most powerful thing that I use to turn this story around for my good because I am blessed and unstoppable and he might he might have been a character in my story but I am the author and I'm going to write this ending and I'm going to rewrite this for myself and I'm going to turn everything that he did I'm going to alchemize it into something that's beautiful and healing for myself and other people you know so it's like in that sense reclaiming my power meant owning my story talking about my story from my point of view to humanize not only myself but this experience that so many women go through you know so many women go through it and Um, In that sense, I do feel really proud of myself because even though I faced a lot of mental health challenges, I 
jumped into OnlyFans. I started making content. I stuck with content that I was comfortable with because when I started OnlyFans, because I've had a lot of sexual trauma, I had actually been celibate for a long time. Oh, okay. I started OnlyFans being celibate. And nobody wrote about that in the article. It was like, I I was laughing because they were like, I'm a porn star and stuff. I'm like, I really stuck to nude modeling and um, self-pleasure videos up until the last month when I just made my first girl girl content. Yay. I just yeah, I just made my very first boy girl content. Mm-hmm. And so that is one of the things that I love talking about on the platform is that if you have had sexual trauma, being on a virtual platform and being a content maker is such a beautiful gift because you get such control over what you do, what you feel comfortable with, what people can ask of you. And so I really have taken OnlyFans at my own pace, Mm -hmm. even though I know that I could make a lot more money getting into more sexy content, which I'm moving toward. Um, That's another interesting part of my story because I felt like I needed to be celibate to reclaim my own sexual power after being on dating sites for so long and feeling like men were manipulating me for one night stands that I, I'm not really a casual sex person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it, ended up making me feel more and more like a sexual consumable being on the dating sites. Right. So that was kind of another part of my story where I've been like healing some parts, you know, my sexual trauma, my very first sexual experience, I was raped at 19. I had never even kissed anyone. And so I appreciate the platform for that sense. And I feel like there's so much, healing around sexual trauma that people can work through on a virtual sex platform as I have been. Good. I mean, these are really great revelations too. And like, because you had never had any other experience in sex work, it, your perspective is actually like a little bit, it's like fresh, you know? Yeah. (laughs) It's really fresh. I mean, along that note too, and before we jump into some questions um, from the audience, because there was a lot of questions that came in, so I want to make sure time for that. But I can't wait. I'd love to know, like, you know, since being thrusted into this whole thing, like what has sex work taught you? Mm, I think so much. I think the power I have always held as a woman sexually, you know, it's taught me so much about our lack of sex education. And I don't just mean like the basics, but I mean like setting people up so that they feel empowered sexually so that, and I, and I think it taught me so much about the programming we have around the shame around our bodies around sex. And so it's like pulling back these layers, even for myself of like, 
What was I taught? What was I told? What do I have to relearn? And also exploring things that I had never done before. Like I didn't have sex toys until I started OnlyFans. I'm 41. Mm-hmm. Like I would say, I wish that I had been exploring things sexually way before. I wish I had known more about myself. And um, it has made me more open sexually. Like I went out to LA and made some content with some women. That was exciting. And um, I think it's helped me kind of redefine like sexual relationships, what I'm looking for, what feels exciting. It's like almost this whole playground that I am opened up to that I'm taking my time to explore and find out new stuff about. So I love that. And there's a lot to explore (laughs) in this awesome industry and this awesome community as well. So I'm glad to hear that. And like, I'm sure you're going to learn more things along the way, learn more about yourself and community. But I mean, this is, it's been so great to hear and it really sounds like you're on a good pathway, Sarah. Yes. Really healing yourself and also just starting a new chapter. It's becoming positive. And you know, the other thing I like to always talk about, like people ask me, what are your fans like? And do you get treated poorly because you're on only, like, I think people think because I'm doing sex work on OnlyFans, I get treated poorly. And I love to tell them that, I am treated so well by my fans. They are the most respectful, consensual, supportive, kind men that it's healed broken parts of me with men and traumas around men as well. So that was probably the most surprising thing was the fans themselves are pretty amazing humans and it's such a blessing and a gift to get to know them and hear their stories and find out their whys for being on the site. It's been a beautiful overall positive journey and experience being on OnlyFans. So I want to make that very clear. Thank you. That's so good. So, so refreshing to hear this. And, and again, thank you so much for sharing your story. Like there's there's so much there. So much there, and I'm I'm really glad that you were able to finally share your side. Yes, thank you. Never get to hear that side. So, (laughs) but Sarah, there's a lot of questions that came in from the audience, so I feel it's probably that time to go into that part of uh, the episode. Cool. Yes. All right, let's just jump right into it. So the first one here is from Instagram. Um, This person asks, "Did any of your fellow teachers come to her defense?" Um, not publicly. I did get a couple text messages early on from my two female co-workers um, who I think, you know, had a lot of empathy and felt bad for me. But overall, I have not heard from anyone, which is unfortunate because one of my co-workers I was really close to and adored. And I'm hoping that that friendship might circle back around. Um, but we'll see. I'm sure that they are worried about a lawsuit. <laughs> yeah, that too. I mean, fingers crossed. I mean, that's that's just so sad when that stuff happens too. Because it, it, it's it's disappointing. It is disappointing because like sometimes you think like, okay, this I thought this person was a real friend, and then they just don't show up. And it's just yeah, 
But yeah. people are worried about their own jobs. I understand, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, next one is, how do you feel about sex work? Like now, I guess. Yeah, I feel like it's exciting and I feel like it's such a beautiful way to for a woman to empower herself within her sexuality, take ownership of her just being sexy and being a sexual person. And I love that it just pushes back against all of these patriarchal programs that we've been conditioned with as women. And I just wish every woman would find her sexual power in her lifetime, that she shows up for herself as the as the sexy, fierce, you know, uh, <laughs> divine feminine that she is. Yes, totally. Absolutely. Um, this one here is a simple question, <laughs> simple, but maybe big decriminalization question mark. Yes or no? Uh, 100% yes. I feel like, um, a lot of the, the safety elements that women endure within sex work is because it's not decriminalized and, yeah. and keeping it decriminalized perpetuates the stigmas around it. And I just feel like it should be a safe and a regulated profession. It's been around forever. And the only reason it's not decriminalized is because people like keeping women in these suppressed and repressed states. So, uh, you know, if I ever, uh, if I ever run for um, Congress or something, that'll be on the top of the agenda. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Um, knowing what you know now, was it all worth it? Oh, you know, I think that that's such a, a, a tricky question just because of how traumatic it felt. Um, and sometimes I get into the fear-based mentality of like, what am I going to do in the future? And how is this going to play out? And what's sustainable? And what did I do? But when I really sit back and I look at the gifts and the blessings that this has opened up, new opportunities, new career paths, you know, I just believe that I'm going to sit in my power and, and trust the universe that this was all divinely guided and that I have an opportunity to trailblaze for other women, to use my voice and to be an advocate um, in ways that will make this life meaningful for myself and others. Absolutely. And of course, women in all genders, because any gender can yes. also be part of sex. There you go. Well. Cover it all. Cover it all. For, so I forgot to say that in the beginning of the show as well. But <laughs> yes. um, how is she taking care of herself and the fallout of the stigma and judgment? Has she found support and ways to care for herself? Yes. Uh, what a beautiful, insightful question. Um, lots of support from friends. You know, I've had to find people that made me feel really safe. Um, I think especially being in the news and having a little bit of paranoia in my community. Uh, but I have these like just women that are so beautiful and gracious and they just kind of wrapped me up in comfort and love and support and they have spoken hope and um come back for me that um 
that's been the blessing. And then also, of course, I talked about getting on some medicine and gym therapy, and I'm doing a manifesting challenge and really trying to be cognizant about my mindset and my stories and being positive and, you know, um, speaking what I want to happen out into the universe so that I can manifest the ending to this that I, that I hope to see. So yeah, all the things, all the things. Yeah. And I, and I mean like, and of course, Sarah, if you're, if, if you're interested as well, pineapple support is also a really great resource. If you're ever looking for a friendly therapist, actually um, that, that actually might be a great, um, resource thank you yeah no problem and for anyone else listening as well because i know yes like it's really hard to find a good therapist especially when you're doing this kind of line of work yes um, to have a kind of you don't need one more space where you're feeling judged yes in a space that you need to find healing and acceptance and to be able to work through and talk through things so that's beautiful i'm glad to you know kind of get pulled into the sex worker community and i will tell you Every other woman sex worker friend that I've come across, except kind of one, <laughs> is like pretty gracious and grounded and thoughtful. Like the sex workers are um, really brilliant people. I have oh, yeah. been blessed by these women. Like people have these ideas of what sex, sex workers are and they are just the most divine people that I inspire to and look up to. And, um, you know, they're really doing some beautiful, powerful work. So it's been awesome. Our community is awesome, by the way. (laughs) I know. Yeah, I'm happy to be part of it. (laughs) Um, This person writes, and I'd love to hear about people facing sex worker-related discrimination. Um, How can they be best supported by those of us who, who care? In my case, having people like especially on social media sites speak up, you know, because I felt like here I was out in the middle of um, social media, like, um, I don't know, cancel culture or something. And it's really beneficial when I would see people standing up, speaking up about it, um, because those voices are powerful. And then, you know, you have the keyboard warriors. And sometimes I think people read things and they scroll, but making sure that you're commenting positively, um, especially when you see things and calling things out that are wrong, um, that's where the power lies, especially when you have community and you can start being uh, vocal and you can start bringing lots of people together, um, then you become a force to be reckoned with. But when everyone's siloed out, which is easy to feel like on OnlyFans, um, you know, I feel like the power really resides in people coming together, being community, speaking up when you see things that are not right, you know, and just holding the line for each other. Amen to that. And I, I think our community does a really, really great job at, at doing doing that. I would yes. say, my own experience at least. So 
Um, we have another question here. So hasn't she thought about trying to get back into teaching, um, maybe in a different state or city, or perhaps tutoring online to parents who wouldn't discriminate? And this person writes, like, maybe even sex worker moms. Or is she unmotivated to try again based on the outcry she had in the first place? You know, I think it made me very... um hesitant to try again one of the things when that blogger tried to like defame me he called me a groomer and that is like really this typical um right wing terminology that they love to call people nowadays and i just find it that was really heartbreaking that was so offensive but it felt like really difficult to be like a teacher to have these articles written about me like that even though they're untrue they're still out there and so i feel like at this point of the journey it feels like i just want to take the journey of only fans and see where it it takes me, what opportunities come up out of this, what kind of advocacy roles, what kind of financial opportunities. I love to write a book. I love to get more into writing and and sharing my story, um, doing blogs. Uh, I think I'm going to be doing a podcast of my own soon as well. Yes, I talked to a lawyer, Mark Nicholson, out of Indianapolis about my case. And I told him about the blogger and everything that had happened. And I said, you know, the blogger really doesn't have much. Even if I do put a lot of money into a lawsuit, I'm probably not going to get much out of it. Mm -hmm. So we did some brainstorming and he was like, hey, I actually want to hire you to write about sex work for my blog. And he has a podcast called Circle City News out of Indianapolis. And he was like, I would love you to be the new host and talk about sex work. So that's amazing. Congrats. That's coming up on Friday um, where I'm going to kind of talk with him and take over hosting a podcast. So, um, you know, teaching hasn't circled back around for me. And that's okay because... Uh, You know, I'm open to these new and beautiful opportunities to keep spreading the message, keep um, keep pushing for um, helping women reclaim their power and reclaim their rights and reclaim their stories and autonomy. So awesome. Well, sounds like the door is. Just keep opening for you. So you might move, right? You've got some momentum going on. So grab holds of the range. Yes. <laughs> um, as an educator, how does she feel that society has alienated teachers and in brackets by the low wages? Yes, I feel like that's a great word for it, alienated. I feel like there are so many teachers that are so burned out from the profession. I like to say that teaching is the most abused profession in the entire country. Like the abuse that we really put educators through is disheartening. And it makes me sad because if you don't have a healthy teacher, you don't have a healthy education system, that all trickles down to the kids. And um, like I said, it really needs to be overhauled from the pay to class sizes to support for teachers, support for kids. Um, 
making the classroom joyful again instead of testing them to death. And, you know, it's like nobody could find a way to um, make money on our education system except the testing companies. So the testing companies were smart. They found a way to make money from our education system. And so now everything teachers do um, is based around the testing system. Their scores are linked to the test. And we all know that every study shows that testing scores have more to do with the socioeconomic class of the students than necessarily the, the competency of the teacher. But, you know, it's political. And that's really, really sad because it's like, what more has to happen? You have teachers getting shot at school. You have schools getting shot up. You have teachers leaving the profession. Um, You know, it's like, at what point is are the lawmakers going to take this serious and go in and, and advocate for teachers? So I love that you're giving me a chance to like stand up for teachers because they don't always get a chance to stand up for themselves. And I'm happy to do so. I'll take every platform to stand up for teachers because they have the right hearts. Their hearts are in the right job and they deserve to be treated like the professionals that they are and paid accordingly. Yes. Amen to that. Seriously. Oh, I'm gosh. preaching. I feel like I'm preaching today. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you got this platform and I'm here for it. So like you have, you are saying all the right points here for sure. <laughs> Sarah, there's just one more question here. So let's get into it before I have to let you go. So um, how, <clears throat> how hypocritical it is for people to shame her for having an OnlyFans when I'm pretty sure some of those school officials, teacher parent committee members, and concerned citizens have no problem dropping money to see her educate them on the OnlyFans platform. Yes, and that's the interesting thing is the blogger who stole my photos, the boss who told me to start an OnlyFans page and sell my panties on it, Almost everybody is engaging in some sort of porn, some sort of, you know, visual sexual stimulation, and they're more than happy to engage in it. You know, it's kind of part of the life. If I check anybody's phone, you know, I'm going to probably see something sexual, but the moment that I go on and become the content maker the provider that's horrible she must lose her job but the consumers you know they don't and that even being said there's so many men that are making content with women on the platform and you don't really hear about them you don't really hear about the men that are having sex with their wives and girlfriends on OnlyFans, worried about their jobs worry about their employers finding out, you know? So again, it is the double standard that even as a man, you can be on the platform, you can produce, make the content, but it's only the woman that's going to be looked at, that's going to be stereotyped, that's going to be degraded for being on the platform. So even within the platform, there is wild discrimination. And I do not like that. It's not right. No, <laughs> you know, it's not. Men don't have to face the same worries 
that women do. And, um, you know, I just feel like that needs to change. Absolutely. Absolutely. When is it going to change? It's just like this has been going on forever. You know what I mean? Like it's just very exhausting. It's very exhausting. And that's why I feel like why it's needed to start having these conversations because you can't change things you don't talk about. If people are not willing to talk about sex and you're not willing to talk about sex work and you're not willing to advocate for it, nothing's ever going to change. You ha- it's going to start with conversations that start. And, you know, I do have to say, like, I believe since I'm in my 40s, the younger generation, they're going to be growing up with these sex platforms. So I feel like it's going to be destigmatized naturally um, because OnlyFans, like, Everyone's on OnlyFans. Everyone's joining an OnlyFans. Everyone's going to have OnlyFans in their resume history at some point in time. (laughs) And it's going to be just normalized. We're not there yet, but I feel like there's so much healing and uh, programming that we have to work through around the shame around sex in our bodies. And um, to do that, it takes open hearts and and intelligent conversations and then also some very brave lawmakers that are willing to trailblaze and set some precedents um yes to start making sure that people can be protected for doing these things you know um so that's what i hope to see and that's what i'm here for so yeah that's what we're all hoping for as well not all of us but like at least my podcast, we're hoping for decrim as well because we need this normalization. We need people to just view our jobs as jobs. Yes. And you know what I love too is this idea of like the virtual sex worker on OnlyFans. It's changing the face of the sex worker. It's teacher, mother, and neighbor. And so that's the other thing that I love showing up. And, you know, I had my friend, we were on the Dr. Phil show, and uh, her name is Nicole Mitchell. She's a beautiful content maker. She was a pastor, teacher turned OnlyFans star. And um, she was talking about the, the awesome disassociation of, um, surprising people with what she does because it's like, hey, I'm your teacher. I'm the teacher. I'm the neighbor. I'm the mom. But I also do sex work on OnlyFans. And I feel like um, it's kind of fun to surprise people and say, yep, I do. <laughs> I do. And that's going to help normalize it more when people see that it's normal people doing this, you know? Um. Yeah, because everyone just has a specific image of what they think a sex worker is or looks like, right? Yes. As you mentioned, it could be like your pastor, it could be your neighbor, it could be your sister, it could be anybody, it could be your mom, like anyone can do it. Yeah, and I think OnlyFans opened the sex work up for so many people. And because it's virtual, it's safe, it's private, you can work through things, you can have fun, you can explore things, you can explore kinks, you can explore your own sexuality. Um, and at the end of the day, we're all sexual beings. So I think a lot about like, why did OnlyFans, when did it become popular? During COVID, 
why we are social, emotional, and sexual beings. And all of a sudden we're isolated. We can't be social. We can't be emotional. We can't be sexual. Well, boom, here comes OnlyFans where you can now do all these things in a virtual setting. And I love having the conversations about abortion as well, because it's like, what's safer than virtual sex? Every person is a sexual being. We all need outlets, even a celibate person, a person with disabilities. Yes. I have a fan who is recently widowed. He's grieving. He still has sexual needs. He's on the platform. I have a fan whose wife has early onset dementia. And he said, I don't feel comfortable initiating sex with her, but I'm still, I love my wife, but I'm on OnlyFans so that I can play out these sexual needs and fulfill them. You know, I did a video chat with um, a virgin autistic man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you think about someone who's autistic, they, ha- they have issues being social, probably issues being social and then getting to be sexual with someone, well, you can have a virtual experience and they can feel the social connection and be sexual and release um, sexual needs. It's like there's so many beautiful healing opportunities for virtual sex if people kept open mind about it. It could really revolutionize working through sexual trauma, helping people... um, work through being a sexual being and maybe not able to participate in physical sex with someone. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of good things about the platform. And I love talking about all the good because you hear so much about the bad. I know, I know. And the bad, we're so overhearing all the bad stuff. You want to hear the good stuff. I mean, there is a lot of bad stuff. We do talk about it, but <laughs> you mean know what I mean. <laughs> I know. There's, there's two sides to every coin, but, you know, I also don't want certain topics to get overlooked um, when, you know, there is good to it as well. So every person's story is different and to be honored, but, um, you know, there's a lot of behind the scenes on OnlyFans that people don't know about because they're not on the platform. They just judge yeah. the platform without even being on it or knowing how good it could be. And, you know, even having married couples on my uh, page is really exciting. I love having married couples because it's like this opportunity for them to open up their sex life together. Totally. Uh, You bring a third party into their sexual marriage without doing it, you know. Um, It's exciting. There's a lot of good stuff that's happening and that I've been privy to, so. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. And it's really nice to have you as a part of the community as well. And again, for you to share your story. But Sarah, before we let you go, where can we all find you? Yes. So you can find me on my socials, Sarah Jury on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter. My um, OnlyFans, I have a VIP page. It is love underscore Miss, M-I-S-S, Sarah, S-A-R-A-H underscore VIP. And then that's the page that I respond to DMs on and um, spend most of my time and energy on because they're the ones that are keeping me afloat and supporting me and um, keeping me committed and um, excited about what's to come. So 
Awesome. And all of those links are in the show notes below. So everyone, if you haven't already clicked and given Sarah a follow, if you haven't paid and uh, subscribed to her OnlyFans, now is the time. Do that. And for everyone else listening at home, it is Stripped by Sia on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, strippedbysia.com. If you're interested in checking out all the episodes there or want to be on the show, you can pitch me on that website. And also, if you are listening, wherever you're listening, I'm basically in all platforms. But if you want to rate five stars, subscribe, rate, review, do all the things, I really love and appreciate that. Um, That really helps the show gain a bit more visibility and become more accessible to others. So rate five stars and subscribe on Spotify and do the same and maybe write a review on Apple. I do read them all. Um, And that's pretty much it for this week. I really hope everyone enjoyed this uh, conversation with Sarah Jury today. It was really eye-opening and, uh, again, just really courageous and brave for you to share your story and I'm really glad to hear that you're moving on the up and up um, on OnlyFans and within this community so thank you so so much Sarah you got it thank you so much for giving me a platform and allowing me to share my story and um, I appreciate it I'm honored and blessed thank you all stay tuned for new episodes next Sunday at midnight thank you bye You're listening to Stripped by Sia, hosted, produced, and edited by Steph Sia, music by Ted D, graphic design by Maria Bellandarama, and photography by Ian Dabrin. Stripped by Sia.